And a very good morning to each and every one. So glad to see everyone. And if you're joining us virtually, we welcome you as well. April the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2022. He is risen. Amen. Amen. Shall we begin our service with a reading from Acts 2 verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Christ the Lord is risen today. Father, we thank you for this time together. And especially today, help us to be grateful for the plan that you put in place before time itself started. That your son would come to earth and, and die for our sins. We ask that you help us live our lives knowing how much you love us and give us the grace needed to, to rely on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By Christ redeemed How blessed are we to be together this morning, right? Amen. You, uh, as we gather around this table, 
and uh, we partake of this fruit of the vine and this uh, bread that represents our, our Savior's body and blood. Um, like I say before, it's, it's what, ma- what makes it a, a feast or a meal is those that you partake in it with. And, uh, and, and that's what we're doing this morning. We're so blessed that we can gather here as one body and do this. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Fathers, we take this bread that is an emblem of your, your flesh. We've all seen images. We all know the, the suffering that you endured, Father. As we take this, let's be mindful of how much you loved us, how hard it was for you to, to let it be done, to let it be finished. As we take this bread, let us know the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give thanks again. Father, as I hold this emblem of, of the blood that you sacrificed, Father, this is the symbol of the end, the complete end. And as we think of that, Father, this had to happen for us to have a new beginning. And, Father, you, you had the perfect plan. You sought it through all the way. And then you prepared a place in heaven for us, a kingdom. That's how much you loved us. You knew we had shortcomings. You, you know our faults. You know none of us are perfect but you still loved us and believed in us. As we take part of this, Father, we are so thankful for the love that you had. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and uh, this time set aside by the elders. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are truly a a blessed congregation. We're blessed in this country, Father, of uh, the conveniences, the material things that we have, the building, the air conditioning. Father, we are so blessed. And uh, as we give this morning, let us give with open hearts, knowing that uh, uh, the elders are are, uh, over these funds. Be with them, Father. Uh, to be able to spread your word through the missionaries, the communities, the food drives we have. It's a lot of effort also, and uh, we appreciate everybody that, that takes part in that. So as we give this morning, let us give with a cheerful heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I'll be reading John 11, 25 through 27. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall he live again. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said unto him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming unto the world. At this time, the children, uh, aged two years to second grade, may be dismissed. Our next song before the lesson, Because He Lives, We Can Face Tomorrow. Amen. If it's convenient, shall we stand? God sent his son, they called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he lived and died, to wipe my heart and 
So a couple quick little uh, notes for today, because today is a little bit different than other days, because we have an Easter egg hunt, and there's about a thousand eggs being hidden in the backyard right now. Um, if your kids are going to participate in that, and they don't have a basket, no problem. I brought a ton of shopping bags. Okay, it's not going to be as pretty, but it'll work. Um, second, if your kids want to participate in the Easter egg hunt, they go to the very back. You go all the way down the hall, turn left into that fellowship room in there. We'll line them up based on age, all right? And then we'll release them based on age. So the younger you are, the better chance you got of winning, okay? Um, so make sure after services are done, you go down the hall, get in line. The quicker we do that. Third, if you are... There's no word for this because Scrooge is for Christmas, right? But if you're just not into Easter egg hunts and you want to get out of here. No, the truth is some of y'all might have plans, right? If you need to get out of here, we always hold off for like five, ten minutes before I let the kids out. But I'm telling you, if you're not going to your car and you're back there trying to hold the kids in, right? It gets really crazy, okay? So if you need to leave, we're going we're gonna to say something we never say at this church. Get out of here, right? Just go, okay? Um, because I don't want anybody getting run over. I don't want anybody feeling like they can't pull out or any of that stuff, all right? If you run over an egg in the process, I'll forgive you, okay? So those three things are really important to remember today because today is different, and we're about to have 20, 30 kids running in the backyard, and we want to make sure everybody does that safely, okay? All right. Oh, by the way. There's five golden eggs. Most of the kids that are going to be doing this aren't in here, but there is five golden eggs. They all have money in them. I'm not going to tell you how much. <clears throat> but it's not a little bit. It ain't a lot either. But it's more than like your grandma when you go and you get like a quarter in your golden egg. Oh, I got a quarter. It's a little more than that. We were almost put 20 in one. But anyway, okay. So today's a fun day, right? I mean, every day, I want to I make sure we understand this. Because look, we focus on the resurrection today specifically because the whole world is. But every single Sunday, every single day we're together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're celebrating the resurrection, right? We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is just another day, but it's a day where the whole world is looking to that. People who never talk about it are talking about it today. So although I know for some of you the Easter money is important, Jesus reigns, not just today, but every single day. I just want to say that before I start. Okay. We had the Easter money at our house this morning. I don't know why there's so much candy involved. It makes getting ready for church on Sunday morning a whole lot more fun. So, there was a survey that was taken, this was a few years back, and the question was simple. 
who rose from the dead in the Bible? The majority of the people who took the survey, and this was a survey that was taken right outside of some very large churches to get a lot of numbers really fast, said Jesus. That's good. If you know that, you're doing okay. But Jesus was not the only resurrection in the Bible. Jesus was not even close to the only resurrection in the Bible, which begs the question, what makes Jesus' resurrection so different than the rest? So before we get into that, I just wanted to go through real quick, just for a little uh, reminder to everybody of all the different resurrections. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I did put the whole scripture up there in case you don't know it yourself. Okay, you got the widow who Elijah was sojourning with. Her son dies. You remember that? And Elijah's like, God, why is this happening right now? I'm here with her, and this is happening now. This is a terrible time for this to happen. And God hears this cry and raises the widow's son from the dead. Then you got Elisha. Remember Elisha? Asked for the double portion of Elijah's spirit. Well, he does something very similar himself with the Shunammite woman. Her son dies, same exact thing. Goes in, prays, has some weird little seven sneezes. Achoo, 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 achoo. My nephew sneezes like that. And then he wakes up. There's another one that's really interesting. This one is a random one, right? There is uh, these guys, that they're Israelites, and they're, and they're getting ready to bury their friend. They're putting him in the tomb. And when they're putting him in the tomb, these, these uh, raiders, they come, and they're afraid. So they just throw him in the tomb, and they're getting ready to run away. And he stands up as soon as he hits the bones of Elisha. Think that got their, friend, their attention? Or did they just run away going, man, we almost buried him, and he was alive! Some people would have said that, wouldn't they have? Then we get to Jesus. And this is a story, this is, this is part of the Bible. And I, I'm careful to say story. I know we say stories, characters, narratives, all that stuff. All right, but this is real life. This isn't just another book that somebody wrote, some stuff that sounds really good. This is real life. And this is one of those real life moments to me because I... I I've experienced this in my own life, right? There, there, was, a, there was a child that had died, and, and her mother was a widow, so she had already lost her husband, and he had died young. And you know how that happens, right? When, it, when someone dies young, you get a big funeral, right? And everybody feels terrible for the mom because she's left alone, and she's lost her husband, and now she's lost her son. And, and there is weeping, and there is wailing, and they're carrying him to bury him, and they pass Jesus. And Jesus sees all this, and he has sympathy, and he's like, he just touches the, the bearer who's carrying the son, and they all stop. Then he raises that son from the dead in front of everybody. Pretty amazing. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? Wouldn't that be amazing to see? Then you got Jairus. He's a leader of Israel. He's come to uh, talk to Jesus about his sick daughter. And by the time he gets up to talk to Jesus, his servants have already come from the house to tell him his daughter's dead. Jesus says, don't worry, have faith. And then they go to Jairus' house, and, and, and Jesus raises his daughter from the dead. When he walks in, he says, don't worry, she's sleeping, and everybody laughs at him. Because the whole crowd knows she's not sleeping. She's dead. She walks out on her own accord. Right? Even the scripture here makes no bones about it. Her spirit had left her. See, people use these moments to say, like, little things happen, right? 
Like, I'm not from the generation that hung out and did wakes. Some of you might still be, right? Because we had to make sure somebody didn't sit up two days after we thought they were dead. And some people will say that all these are just examples of that. They're just people who people thought were dead, weren't dead. Coincidences happen sometimes, right? Then you get to Lazarus. His is a little different, isn't it? These are all people Jesus knows. This is a family that is extremely close to Jesus. In fact, when Jesus does not show up to heal Lazarus, his sisters, by the time Jesus does show up, they're letting him know. They're a little upset. Because they know, Jesus, if you'd have just got here earlier, you could have healed him. He wouldn't be dead right now. Right? And this is that moment where Jesus sees all the people who are so upset about Lazarus, and, and he's probably pretty upset himself. This is one of his best friends. This is one of his close friends. This is one of the families that supports his ministry. And he begins to weep. And then he tells them, move that stone, roll that stone. And one of the sisters is like, ooh, that's a really bad idea. Why? Because he's been dead for four days. After the third day, remember that when it comes to Jesus' resurrection, after the third day, your body starts to decay. You know what happens when your body starts to decay? It starts to stink. You ever smell something dead? She's worried about that. We roll this stone away, everybody's going to smell his dead body. He says, arise, Lazarus. He comes out in his grave clothes. What a sight. Who knows what it really looked like? Most likely, in my opinion, Jesus probably healed everything like when he normally does, right? When he heals something, it's just brand new. But who knows? Then you got this. and I'm going to point this out now because we're getting, we're getting close to the end of this part of the, the sermon. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he wasn't the only one who did. You know, there was a mass resurrection when Jesus rose from the dead. Right? Look, I'll read this one for you. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So that part, he's on the cross, right? And he has just died. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's important too. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after, after, very important, after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. So look, when Jesus raises from the dead, remember this, because this is very important as well. When Jesus raises from the dead, there's more than just him that people are talking about. Right? This is like your family member that was one of the most faithful people you knew in your life and you buried them and they've been gone for a little while and they come back and they let you know what just happened with them. You think that would change your life? Probably in a moment, right? You would never be the same again. Your loved one that you have missed for years comes back from the dead. And it's not just you, it's your neighbor's loved one and your neighbor's neighbor's loved one. And who knows, right? It doesn't give us a number. We just know it was a bunch of people. Then after Jesus, we got a couple more, right? Peter. Peter raises probably a woman with the worst name in the Bible, Dorcas. That's a name you don't hear too many women being named after, even though she's a great person in the Bible, someone to certainly be... Um, admired and, and to look at as an example, but just not the best name. I prefer Tabitha. That's a name you can still hear. 
right? She's known for being this awesome person that does all these nice things, right? She's like the, she's like the, the typical grandma. Like when we were at Rockport, there was a woman who we were very close to. And every time a person had a baby, she would knit them a uh, baby blanket, right? And it would be like Peter walks into the room and everybody in the church is standing around crying about her and everybody's showing him their baby blankets that she made for them when their kids were born. That's the type of woman this is. And Peter raises her from the dead. And then, of course, the most famous one, the one that I'm trying to keep any of y'all from becoming today, Eutychus. For some reason this day, Paul waits to start his sermon really late, and then he goes on and on and on. And this kid, Eutychus, he's sitting in the window probably to keep cool, right? And that coolness, it rocks him right to sleep. And the sermon goes on and on. And he falls out the window. Three stories. He's dead. Paul's like, <clears throat> what just happened back there? All right, hold on, I'll be back. And he goes down and he raises Eutychus from the dead. And then what does he do after that? He goes back up and keeps preaching. You think you got it bad? I promise you no one's died in any of my sermons. And if they did, I probably wouldn't get back up afterwards. Paul did. So what makes this one, what makes this one so different? First is the most obvious thing. What about any of those resurrections that I just read to you applies to you? What about any of those resurrections that I just read to you actually change something that happened in your life? What about any of those resurrections actually kept those people from dying? Did Lazarus die after he was raised from the dead? I mean, he's not walking around now. What's so different about this one, right? And I want to start right after the crucifixion, and I want to show you just a couple things really quick today. Okay, so Matthew 27, we're pretty much going to stay in Matthew if you want to follow along in your Bible. Matthew 27 is where I want to start. It says, when it was evening, this is after Jesus is, is dead. Okay, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linen shroud, right, the grave clothes, and laid it in his own new tomb, by the way, which fulfills prophecy, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. And I want you to notice this. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite of the tomb. So they watched this. They saw Jesus get sealed in the tomb. Why is that important? They're going to be the first ones that show up when he's raised. So you got this giant stone. Think about this now. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they gathered before Pilate. Why is that? Well, who killed Jesus? Was it just the Romans that killed Jesus? Absolutely not. Don't forget, Pilate said, I'm going to wash my hands of this. You know what? I'll give you a choice. How about a really dangerous person named Barabbas versus Jesus, who I can't find fault with to the point where I can put him to death under the law? That's what Pilate said. And the Jews said, what? Give us Barabbas. And then what they follow with? Crucify. 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 That's what happened. So now they've accomplished that point. And the Jews, I want you to see this. This is so important. Not specifically the race of the Jews, but the leaders of the Jews at this point in time. They're still concerned. In fact, they're very concerned. Why? 
Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. How well did they know Jesus' teachings? How many miracles did they see themselves? Weren't they the ones that said when he was doing miracles, he's doing this out of the power of Satan? Wasn't it one of them that said it's better for one man to die than all of, the, the, all of Israel to be destroyed? Wasn't it one of them? Oh, this part drives me nuts. You know why? Because when we do evil things, this is exactly how we get as well. We see the truth in front of our face. We ignore it. Because we're working on something else. In the background. What were they worried about? Keeping their power. What did Jesus never say he was going to do? How about build a giant army and take over the world? A lot of the Jews thought that's what their destiny was. They become the rulers of the world. They forgot that God was supposed to be their king a long time ago and their kingdom was never actually supposed to have a king because God was supposed to be their king. It wasn't ever about this world. Therefore, order the tomb, this is verse 64, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people. Now, he has risen from the dead, and, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. The last fraud. Do you hear these words? I'm telling you. Please, get it through your head. These people saw the miracles of Jesus and they're calling him an imposter. They're calling him a fraud. Why is that important? You know what Jesus said to these people? You're the same people who have killed all the other prophets. Anybody who speaks up for God, you know what y'all do with them? You kill them. That's what Jesus said to them. Mm, the fraud. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now let me explain this because this is really important because the Romans were serious soldiers or they would have never become the country that they became. And they had really difficult, really difficult guidelines, we'll call them. For example... This group of soldiers was likely probably about 16 soldiers. Each one of them would have been, uh, they would have been responsible for about a six foot square foot in front of the tomb, okay? The entire night that they were there, they would not have been allowed to sleep. In fact, if one of them fell asleep, it's punishable for the entire crew by death. We're not even gonna talk about if a Roman soldier failed its mission, he was supposed to fall on his sword because you, it was better to fall on your sword than to go back home and deal with it. So he's got these soldiers that are standing in front of the tomb. He's got this giant rock that's sitting in the front of the tomb that's going to certainly slow anybody down. And they, those soldiers have, you better be on watch and you better not fail this mission because if you do, you don't come back home. And look, this is really important. This is the Jews, the leaders of the Jews talking to Pontius Pilate, right? So the Jews don't leave until they're satisfied that the disciples can't get the body. We're not even going to talk about the fact that they sealed the tomb with the Roman seal that makes sure you know if you mess with this, you're messing with the emperor of Rome. So we get to Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, remember the two that saw that? They went to see the tomb. Now listen, other 
parts of the Gospels, right? Other writers in the Gospels say that they're actually on their way there, okay? On their way there, they're wondering how they're going to be able to move the stone so that they can take care of Jesus' body. That's what some of the other Gospels say. They're actually on their way there. They've seen how this all took place when they were sitting there watching Joseph do his thing, right? And they're on their way there, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to roll the stone away so that they can take care of Jesus' body. That's what they're trying to do, okay? And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love that picture. I love that picture. Here these women are, these faithful women who are there. Why are they there? Because they know the same thing the Jewish leaders know. Jesus has been saying, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise on the third day. It's the third day. They probably want them to smell good. Because they're there. And they're figuring out, how are we going to roll this stone away? And they show up, there's an earthquake, and here comes the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord, right? And he rolls the stone away, and he's sitting on it. Where are the Roman soldiers? Did they leave? No, they're there. And they saw it too, look. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, I don't know if they played possum, just fell over. Obviously, I'm being silly. Or if in their shock, they just couldn't move. That's probably what happened. And they watched what happened. Now look, I want you to notice this real quick. Does Jesus walk out of the grave? Does he, like Lazarus, come out of the grave with his grave clothes still on? Does he do that? He does not. Why? One of the other gospels says that this angel actually looks at them and says, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead. He's not here. He is risen. So the soldiers who have been there to see the body placed in the tomb, stone rolled in front of it, sat there for three days. The stone gets rolled away and there's nobody in there. How in the world does that happen? So, of course, they're only human, right? I'm going to read this real quick. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples what, that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb where, with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. So who's the first person Jesus actually saw? Those ladies. Who's the first person to go check on Jesus the third day? Those ladies. I'm, I, I, this is a complete side note, but I'm just going to say it real quick. Listen, every woman in church has an extremely important role. And I'm going to tell you something. The faith of women, in my opinion, in my short 40 years of life, in every church I've ever been in, has been the strongest sustaining aspect of the church. 
Where are the 12 minus Judas disciples? Did they run with the women to the tomb? Nope. They were still sitting back either in bed, just getting up, catching fish, whatever they were doing. By the time the women get back to let them know what they've already missed. I just want to say that. It's really not part of my sermon, but I just want to say it. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Okay? So, while they were going, behold, some of the guard. What is the guard doing? Well, they were supposed to fall on their sword. They failed their mission. The, the body of Jesus is gone. But what did they see? They saw an angel come down like lightning, roll the stone away, and sit on it. And make proclamation. They never saw the body of Jesus come out. They never saw the body of Jesus ever. It's gone. So what do some of them think? I gotta, I gotta go tell somebody. Right? Some of them were probably thinking, right? Like, uh, oh my goodness, we really messed this one up. Like, I bet these religious people over here would really like to know what just happened. So we can like figure out how to fix all this. You think that was possible? You think there was any of them that didn't believe in Jesus, but when they saw that, believed in Jesus in that moment? I, I probably would have. Right? So it says they go to the chief priest, and they, and, and they share with them everything that had taken place. And what, what is their reaction? Oh my goodness, we messed up? Holy cow, we better go tell everybody? No. It's not their reaction at all. It says, when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. What's that called? Hush money. Right? They gave them hush money. You think that still happens today? Yeah, this ain't new tricks. This is what I'm trying to tell you. The Bible reveals the devil's tricks. They might come in a little bit different ways. It's still the same. It's still the same. Right? They give them hush money. Then after they give them hush money, they say, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were sleeping. Now, any normal, rational, common sense using person could have asked this question. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Roman soldiers failed their mission and they're alive to talk about it. Something strange about that to you? I mean, how many times does that happen? Right? You had... One job, guard a dead man. His disciples are not powerful people. He's got one zealot. He's got one zealot. The rest are fishermen, tax collectors, historians, doctors. None of them are Roman soldiers. Right? Okay, I'm almost done. Verse 14, and this is where they're covering their own tracks. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. See, they weren't looking for the truth. The truth was right in front of their face, and they were figuring out how to cover it up. I'm going to tell you a little secret. The world's still doing that today. They're still building off this lie right here. That Jesus never rose from the dead. So what makes it different? It's what Jesus says to Mary and Martha when he raises their brother Lazarus. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Who does that sound like? How about Peter? And upon this confession, I will build my church, right? Who is coming into the world. I got three simple points and I'm done. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, he defeated death for all who believe. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, death has been defeated. All you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? Here you go. Hebrews 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> likewise, partook of the same things, that through death 
he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to a lifelong slavery. He didn't just defeat death in that moment. He tricked, duped and destroyed Satan's power over you. He stole it away from him. That's what he did. Okay, and then Jesus atoned for all sin by his perfect sacrifice and secured an eternal hope for us. In him, Ephesians 1, we already read this a little while ago, a couple Sunday, more, a couple Sunday evenings ago. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You know what that's saying? That's saying some of us struggle with sin more than others. Don't worry. Overcome. And trust God's grace in the process of overcoming because God has lavished it on you. It's like when you take a little bit of soap and you keep rubbing it until it's a lot of soap. That's lavished. Okay? You're covered in suds. That's the truth. All right, Hebrews 9 says it a little bit different. I want you to get this real quick. But when Christ appeared as a high priest for the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. See, it had to be this way. It had to be his blood or else the things of heaven could not be perfect and everything in heaven is perfect. There was no bull, there was no goat, there was no, nothing like that in all of creation. Only the perfect sacrifice of the Son of God was good enough for all the sin of the world. It was the only way. Okay? And last but not least, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have access to the blood of Christ and the right to become children of God. And how do you do that? How do you do that? This is the statement the entire church was started on right here. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, meaning all of us way in the future, everyone whom the Lord God calls himself. It also means the Gentiles and everybody in the whole world. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Listen, if the tomb, when they roll the stone away, has a dead body in it, we wouldn't be talking about it anymore. If the body was stolen right out from under the nose of the most powerful country at this point in time in the world, they would have moved heaven and earth, as they say, right, to find it and expose it. Why? Because what Jesus did in his life was a big movement. What Jesus did when he rose from the dead became a worldwide movement that's still alive and well 2,000 years later. The first one was big. The second one would be bigger. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in the blood through baptism? Had your sins washed away? Received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Be added to the kingdom, God's body, God's church. And for those of us who have, are we living the life? Are we picking up our cross? Are we following Jesus? And are we sharing this message, this only message, the only message that can save us from our sin? Are we sharing it with our friends, with our family, with the people we work with, with our loved ones? Or are we just keeping it to ourselves? Where are you at? Listen, this is the greatest message anyone can ever hear. I pray we have boldness and confidence as we carry it into the world because that is our calling as the church. If there's any need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Ventricular tachycardia, which fast heartbeat. Um, she's going for stress test on the 9th of May and then surgery at Holmes on the 31st. So keep Megan in your prayers. Lex Pierce is struggling, but he's, he's home. Um, continue to keep him in your prayers and everything like that. Gail Griffin, she's here with us this morning, but keep her, continue to keep her in your prayers. Betty Larner is going through the process of finding out what, what, what surgery she needs to have done for the cancer treatment she has. Keep her in your prayers. Um, Fran Robinson's uh, newborn grandson, Tyler, uh, had open heart surgery on Monday, so keep, keep him in prayers that he goes wide. Uh, you kept him in your prayer, Isaac White. Uh, the idea of any amputation is kind of totally off the table. So continue to keep him in his prayers, but that's really, really good news. Karen Hasselbar, uh, she'll have surgery on the 24th of May at, May's, uh, at Melbourne Regional to insert a pin in her leg and uh, a new knee, so keep her in your prayer as well. The uh, Hasselbar's been a long time uh, uh, folks that were coming here with us. Uh, Lloyd Dickerson, he'll have back surgery on the 5th of May. He'll be on blood thinners for 10 days, which is a concern for blood clots, so keep, uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, Gail Griffin's cousin, Reese Moore, is in the hospital. He has pancreatic cancer, his liver's failing blood clots in his lungs and his legs, so it's very tough on the family, so keep that family in your prayers as well. Uh, most of you probably know, but Cora Pulsawaite, uh, she passed away this week. Uh, she was diagnosed with cancer just about two weeks ago. We'll have a memorial service this coming Friday at one o'clock here at the building. Uh, if you want to bring some finger foods, uh, we're gonna provide them as a family here. Uh, Cora was a, a, a longtime member here as well, so. We want to remember her and, uh, and the times that we had with her this coming Friday. Uh, Betty Larner is coordinating the finger food that we have. There's a senior adult fellowship scheduled on the 28th. Uh, they'll have games followed by a soup, salad, and lunch. So if that's something you're interested in, sign up for that. And we got a card from Mike and Sue. And I'll read that. Just can't thank you enough. Thank you for joining us last Sunday as we celebrated working together to serve God in our community for the, past, for the last 18 years. Your words of encouragement and support as we begin a new journey in our lives were such a blessing. As we read your cards once again, your love for us is evident. During these 18 years, our relationship has grown to the point where we are family. No matter where our journey leads us in the future, we will always be family. Love and prayers, Mike and Sue. 
Shall we stand for our closing song? How I love the great Redeemer who still gave so much for me. Sometimes wow is all we can think when we stop and take stock in everything that you've done for us and think about all the love, the sacrifice, and somehow wow just doesn't seem to cover it. Lord, we thank you that today so many people around the world do stop and think about the, the sacrifice and the gift and the love that you've shown us all. Lord, help us carry that week to week and day to day throughout the year. Help us to continue to shine that light. Help us continue to let that wow be seen, not just today, but throughout. Lord, help us to show our gratitude to you, our love to you, and our thanks by doing all we can do to bring glory to you. Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen.